0: Hey ladies and gents, welcome to the Controlled Interest Gamecast, where we talk about video games and everything happening in the industry. As always, I'm joined by Dom. It's a pleasure, it's
1: a a true honor to be here with both of you guys here today.
0: (laughs) And for the second to last time, the penultimate time, uh, Jordan.
2: I guess you could call me
0: the penultimate Jordan. (laughs) There's Uh, only one better. Yeah, sorry we took a week off. We had some complications with the scheduling of the podcast and stuff, but glad to be back. Anywho, uh, let's hop right into this. we got quite a bit of news. Obviously, there's a big Xbox Series X stuff we'll get into as the topic of the show, but there's some smaller bits of news I wanted to get to. First up, I know it's your second to last episode, Jordan, but we had to get one more little jab in there at you, one little more heartbreak for you. Sanzaru Games has been acquired by Facebook. And I wrote here, virtually killing Jordan's dreams of a Sly Cooper 5 from the developer.
2: Yep, Uh, indeed. And I'll tell you, Jared, they were that last beacon, as I mentioned in our chat. They were that last beacon that was uh, the champion of the Sly franchise, you could say. Uh, They had the opportunity to do Sly 4 after they championed the uh, HD collection of the original game. So, sad to see them go... Uh, away from Sony, but I wish them the best of luck. They're a cool studio.
0: It's real interesting now, at the turn of the generation, Sony's losing quite a bit of their... Obviously, they acquired Insomniac, but they've lost, in the last couple of years, a number of their third-party close partners, right? Quantic Dream has now become an independent well, publisher. I, yeah, I would uh,
2: consider them... Uh, I would say they're losing a lot of second-party. Yeah, like, sorry, Quantic yes. Dream, Sanzaro is more... I know these terms are loose, just kind of like when we talk about AAA, AAA. but um, I would consider Sanzaru and um, Quantic Dream, or even like the closure of this the uh, Sleeping Dog Studio, um, or... Uh,
0: the Until Dawn developer? What's their name? Supermassive, mm. and then I'm thinking of... Ready at Dawn, even. Ready at Dawn, thank you, thank you, yeah. Thank you. yeah. So, quite a number of them. Obviously, I'm not trying to spell doom and gloom for PlayStation. It's just weird because normally with, you know, a console like PlayStation 5 that's selling gangbusters, right, you would assume that they those partnerships would extend moving forward. But just, you know, maybe by bad luck or weird timing, all of these second-party studios are kind of dissipating in front of them. It's, it's very weird. Um, I
2: mean, United Front Games was Sleeping Dogs, if I remember correctly.
0: That sounds right, yeah.
1: Yeah, that sounds right.
0: Um Next up, a Borderlands movie is now in development uh, by Lionsgate. It's going to be directed by Eli Roth. If you're not familiar with him, he's most notably yeah. in Inglorious Bastards, and he directed the Hostel franchise. Uh was a bear Jew. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it's written by the scribe of, and this is this runs the gamut of quality, right? The guy who's writing this, I didn't put down his name. Uh, my fault. He wrote. Uh, he was a lead writer on Chernobyl, right? Fantastic, great miniseries. Hangover two and three, depending on who you ask, okay. big hits or misses, and Scary Movie three. <laughs> so ah, quite a, a wide range movie. there. You don't know in terms of quality where it's gonna lie with the writing, but um, some some goods there, some bads. Eli Roth is an interesting choice for director because Borderlands needs to have that grit and that violence to it. But his biggest uh, the biggest complaint towards this film is that it can be a little bit too much of uh, gore porn, right? So it's going to be interesting to see where this movie lands. I'm assuming it won't come in at anything less than a PG-13 rating, if it ever gets made. Once again, these video game movies stay in flux. According to Tom Holland recently, this is just something I'm adding in, he had a, an interview on the red carpet for the premiere of Onward, the new Pixar film, and he said they're going to start filming the Uncharted movie in a month, uh, which is odd considering there's not a director currently attached to the project because the most recent director... Uh, fell out of it, um, as a lot of them have. So
2: They, they just told Tom Holland, don't worry about it. we're starting in a month. It's real soon. Right the crazy point.
0: thing with him, too, is he recently revealed that he was approached for a Back to the Future <coughs> remake as well. Wow. Which is we- weird, because uh, yeah. there's a whole situation with the rights uh, of that movie and everything. Anyways, the last bit of news here is some... I don't know, if it, it's not positive news directly towards Jordan, but it is a developer he really loves. CD Projekt Red. <laughs> CD Project Red has recently become the second largest video game company behind Ubisoft in the United Kingdom based on market valuation. So what Ubisoft is, is currently valued at nine point six billion, and recently CD Projekt Red's valuation shot up to eight billion, uh, which Jesus is pretty impressive. Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah. Even though those... that's
2: not like you know, that's that's valuation. That's that's a little bit different than actually having that much money but yeah i mean you got to be doing something right to get there you know
0: you have to you have to imagine though with them that because they're based in poland the proportionate value of that company to the country is probably insane you know what i mean
2: oh my gosh dude like if they're worth that much in the uk then they have to be one of the you know most successful companies in their own country for sure
0: yeah, period. Regardless of video game, right? As a, like a sub... sub. Dom, what, what are some
2: of the other famous Polish companies that everyone knows?
1: Uh, you have Jed's Sausages. jed a Karen's You have um, uh, Karen's Ritbeer Co. <laughs> um, <laughs> These are Polish people? <laughs> yeah. Well, Karen herself is not Polish, but the company is owned by um, Marcus uh, Peteris. Uh, I'm making Marcus so much shit kidding. up off
0: the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's a really cool, like you said, valuation isn't exactly the amount of money they're they're bringing in, right? But it shows that they do hold value in the United Kingdom period. And to be behind, you look at Ubisoft, right? Who's like a mega publisher with developers all around the world. And you look at CD Projekt Red, this company who's made three outstanding Witcher games, some spin off titles, and... Mm-hmm. What?
1: One great, one great Witcher game, and one, you know, masterpiece Witcher game, and then another Witcher game. You, you yeah, think I one mean, isn't that I good? I
2: think that really they've made Gwent, and then three, they made three big games, right, in their main series. And I think that if you look at Witcher One being a mod from another game, uh, that they turned into, uh, hmm. did this not game that. of their own, and now you look at uh this news that you're reporting now, Jared, it's just that's a gigantic jump in the span of definitely less than twenty years. I can't remember how I can't remember when Witcher one came out.
0: I think like twenty like two thousand eight. I want to say two thousand eight.
2: Um the original Witcher, I think it was before that. But before that nonetheless I think they've done, you know, most of this uh, gigantic growth within the last 20 years for sure.
0: It's tough cuz it came out on PC and then it didn't get it, get ported to consoles for a while. So maybe I'm thinking of a date closer to the console port.
2: It the original Witcher never actually came to consoles. It was supposed
1: yeah. to I guess something of Witcher 2 then.
2: but never happened. Yeah. So the
1: let's see the Witcher 2 2007 only to Xbox 360. 2007. 2007. Okay, 2007,
2: so that was seven, close. Jared. You were you were on point. So I mean that <sighs> that makes it even crazier feet because it's less than 15 years that they've had this exponential growth and i mean the witcher 1 is a rough fucking game so for them to come so far in such a short amount of time is is mm-hmm. something special for sure dumb
0: when i said 3 i was actually talking about 2 witcher 3 and cyberpunk <laughs> Changing oh, my answer there you go <laughs> nice. um, I do think obviously this uh, upgrade and valuation is due to a the Witcher 3 sales after the Witcher Netflix series release yep. right the huge spike mm-hmm. on top of the fact that I think a lot of these shareholders are drawing relations between GTA 5 success and what cyberpunk could possibly do in that same field. Um, yeah. Obviously they're not one-to-one games but a lot of the same feeling open world, you know future and modern games. Um, So it's going to be interesting to see where their valuation goes in the coming years. We assume Cyberpunk's going to sell at Gangbusters.
2: They do have two successful franchises, but I think it's going to be important, like this stuff that we're talking about, their value, it's going to be really important to see what they do with a possible uh, original IP after Cyberpunk, if they do that, because they don't own Cyberpunk or Witcher. Those are technically both adaptations, so...
0: And we're also not factoring in the multiplayer for cyberpunk which will come at a later date uh, on next gen and depending on how successful that is with monetization that could blow up as well you know what i mean Bring them in a ton yeah, i'm of trying revenue. to figure out
2: if i would rather have an original ip from uh, cd project or a witcher 4 after cyberpunk and that's just it's a tough decision man. it's clearly
1: mine to make you know <laughs> yeah i don't think there's a wrong answer either i think there's just a great and greater answer well, yeah, I mean, it also,
2: they're getting to the point where they could probably do both, you know.
0: That I too. think yeah. their direction might hinge on how successful the Netflix series is. As weird as that sounds, obviously they don't get any profit off of that. But if the Netflix series continues and Siri becomes like a really prominent pop culture figure, it might be in their best interest to focus on a Witcher four, right? Good point. With maybe her as they the
2: protagonist. I don't think that they're making anything off the of success of the Netflix show. You know, not directly. But that's yeah, it's not their show so it'll it'll they're clearly profiting off of it, you know So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how they handle that since yeah, that's not necessarily their deal.
0: Yeah, because the thing there uh, is if if Siri does become this pop culture figure, then th- they have to do a lot of the behind the scenes market research to figure out if you know having her as a lead pro take in their next game could lead to like crazy sales success, you know. And is that worth it, or should they go for an original IP? Who knows. They're gonna have the- to
2: make their character model like similar to the show version, because you know how people bitched about the Avengers not looking like MCU version. Oh
0: god! Yeah, by that time they're gonna they're gonna re-release Witcher through our next gen consoles, and it's gonna have uh, Geralt looking like Henry Cavill. <laughs> 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 they're gonna just overlay an update. I mean, That'd he wears so the
2: though. some of the- <coughs> Geralt's video game
0: suits, so... Uh. Yeah. Uh, let's hop into this Xbox Series X stuff. This is quite a bit to go through. Uh, I have broke it down as easily uh, as I thought it could be digested, so we'll work through this. This was in a blog post by Phil Spencer, who posted this in the early morning hours on Monday, February 24th, I think at 6 uh, a.m. Pacific time. Uh, and he unveiled a plenty of unknown details and revealed new features for the next-gen console. So we'll go through this in steps uh, the first one is the specs so he stated that the custom design processor will sport AMD Zen 2 and RDNA 2 architectures which is important because both of these are yet to be available in the PC space um, without going into too much of the nitty-gritty thanks to digital foundry for breaking some of this stuff down for me who's not super into the PC tech space side What people were assuming was going to happen was they were going to put some of the features that the RDNA 2 architecture allows the processor to be capable of, they were going to put that and overlace it on the currently existing RDNA 1, right? Because that's what seemed most um, advantageous considering it isn't available currently on PC. So people didn't even know that RDNA 2 existed, right? That, that's what the what the idea was. They were gonna overlay some of these new features. But instead, it, it was announced that it was RDNA 2, which is a whole new thing. So um, the speculation is that the PS5 will also include the AM, AMD Zen 2 technology. It's just unclear if it'll do RDNA 2 or if it'll do RDNA 1, if that's like a partnership directly with Microsoft. <laughs> um, gotcha. Yeah. Next, uh, 12 teraflops of GPU performance. Which is, you'd look at it and be like, oh, it's numerically twice that of the Xbox One X. And you'd assume, oh, it's twice the power. But also, according to Digital Foundry, once again, the way teraflops work, it isn't directly... It's hard to compute what the exact power is of a teraflop unit, right? But according to Digital Foundry, twice of the Xbox One X's 6 teraflops would actually be 10 teraflops, uh, not 12. So the Xbox Series X will be more than double uh, that of the Xbox One X. Yeah, not only,
1: not only that, and then like, there's other measures. That, I mean, exactly. that's like probably the best measure for just a GPU. And yeah, I'm also getting into that territory where I'm going to say some ignorant shit because I don't <laughs> totally understand it. But yeah, there's other measures um, of you know, how powerful a GPU is. Um, then there's also like the CPU side of things too. Even though it's one chip, that's uh, like the CPU power is also important when you're if you're talking about the console overall.
0: The reason teraflops is it's being used because it's an easy market term to sell to consumers. It's yeah. a number you can pitch as a marketing yeah. ploy.
2: Yeah. As as goofy as people like to make it sound, like with it being kind of a meme type of joke, um, they obviously remember the term teraflop. Exactly.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It means something. Exactly.
2: Yeah.
0: So yeah, keep that in mind because there's something we're going to get to later about how twice the numerical value doesn't necessarily mean twice the power. It's actually more than that. Keep that in mind for later on in this in these details. Uh, so next up, uh, variable rate shading, which is VRS. So this uh, efficiently uses the GPU cycles to target specific characters and effects and ignore pixels, irrelevant pixels, equating to more stable frame rates and higher resolution. So basically what this allows developers to do is go in And depending on the current scene or actions taking place in the game, they can stabilize and focus on the pixels and assets in the screen that need the focus and they can remove the GPU processing from stuff that's less relevant. So like say you're walking through a city and there's a barrel that isn't really in direct line sight. They can remove a lot of that processing power to stabilize frame rate and visual fidelity and focus on the things that are actually like take more uh, focus. Um, So it's just basically more developer tools to stabilize frame rate and higher resolution. The easiest way to communicate that. Um, Next up, DirectX ray tracing. Ray tracing is something we've talked about numerous times on the podcast. Uh, Most people think it just helps with lighting. That's not actually true. It also helps with reflections and it helps with acoustics in games. Which is something that's not really brought up with ray tracing. Mostly, people think of it as a like a visual enhancer, right, to lighting and reflections. But it that also helps so with cool. acoustics in games. Dope stuff. Uh, direct. Extra- no,
2: I am. I'm honestly really excited about where we could go <clears throat> from an from an audio perspective uh, with this next generation. Because yeah, I, I, I kind of what you, the point you're making there, Jared. It's like there's just so many things that aren't necessarily. Uh, market buzzwords, right? Yeah. But nonetheless, they could really push us into untold territories as far as uh, being next-gen, you know, being a futuristic gaming experience that we are not currently having. And I would really like to see where we can go with that.
0: And the crazy thing with this, too, is one of the studios best known for their audio development techniques is Ninja Theory, right, with Hellblade. Yeah. So I'm yeah. really intrigued to see how much they take advantage of this stuff with the direct X-ray tracing and other, you know, acoustic based tools. Um, that's
2: so it's so cool thinking about like you hear a new feature uh, popping up in one of these um, kind of console reveals or whatever. And you're like, oh, I wonder how this studio would use that. You know? e- exactly. They could, yeah. they could do something really cool with that feature.
0: So that's all the spec stuff, right? Um Honestly, it's important stuff, but to the average everyday consumer, they pretty much look at the teraflop number and then move on. They don't really care too much about that yeah. stuff. Uh, yeah. Next up is the features. So it'll feature SSD storage, which is something we assumed it would, but it's good to have confirmation. Uh, next up, dynamic latency input, so otherwise known as DLI. So this basically synchronizes the input immediately, resulting in more precise and responsive controls uh, between the mm. hardware and the the uh accessory controllers. So that's yeah. good. And that's uh, something
2: that I was talking about with Sekiro where it's like I just feel this game requires a precise input and it was the first time, you know, fighting game fans and 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 people of uh certain niche genres have talked about this forever of like oh I got to have a wired controller because I can't have input lag. Yeah. And it's a big thing on PC as well, right? So This was the first time for me where I experienced a situation that uh, could have actually hindered my my play or my enjoyment because I was like, man, I've obviously had plenty of connection issues with the Switch, but maybe even PS4 and Xbox One could use an upgrade in that department.
0: And uh, using this dynamic latency input can help offset stuff with streaming, right? Um, maybe make oh, it a little yeah. bit more crisp if you lose out on some of that latency that through is
2: streaming. That is obviously the biggest issue with game streaming right now. So, yeah. Uh,
0: next up, we have HDMI 2.1. Uh, this is kind of a future-proofing thing. Uh, HDMI 2.1 is being currently put into televisions. It's kind of the future of HDMI. So this is them future-proofing the console to be able to work. It's kind of like, uh, I mean, not directly. This is a weird um, comparison but kind of like a HD uh, like 1080p right when people got the 1080p consoles but a lot of people still had the the TVs that didn't really output 1080p yeah. right it's kind of the same thing they're just HDMI uh, uh,
2: like firmware upgrades are essentially about uh, the amount of data flow because um, like older versions of HDMI can't do HDR not because they aren't they don't have like the HDR plug-in or whatever but it's because their bandwidth is smaller and they're not I think it's like 18 gigabytes per second or higher and so this is just widening that bandwidth I'm sure and there's probably other super intricate features that I'm not aware of but yeah
0: yeah this type of thing is something that people won't notice but assume the PS5 will also have this um, it's just a way of future proofing their their consoles uh, and, you know, assumptions are assumptions, take that as you will, but it'd sure. be hard to think there's like a the PS5. There's a
2: standard it. that they're going to have to meet, though, moving into this next generation. You know, like we were talking about with hard drives, it'd be fucked up if we are getting 500 gigabyte hard drives on this
0: game. <laughs> God, yeah. Uh, next up, it'll have up to 120 FPS support. Obviously, just because something supports that doesn't mean every game is going to have 120 frames per second. Uh, guarantee that majority of games won't have that, but it will be capable of that, which is cool. Um, next up, this is a feature I'm really excited about. Uh, so currently on PS4 and Xbox One, we have the resume feature where you can put suspend a game, do some other stuff, and then come back to the game without worrying uh, about it loading again, right? Well, the Xbox Series X will have that for multiple games, so you'll be able to suspend multiple games at a time and come back to them, which yeah. Uh, it's helpful for people who enjoy single player and multiplayer games, or even different types of multiplayer games or single player games, and you can jump back between them, right, and not have to worry yeah. about loading. For instance, for me, the scenarios I thought about are say, I'm playing Cyberpunk, right, and my friends hop on and they want to play some Avengers, I don't have to worry about having to load Cyberpunk again, right? I can suspend yeah. that, hop into Avengers, be playing that, and then hop back to Cyberpunk when I'm done. Or, say I'm playing oh. cyberpunk, but I'm achievement hunting in a different game. If I get yeah. tired of cyberpunk and want to shift, I can go back and forth between the two and not have to worry about loading. So it's really helpful.
2: The other thing is, if you suspend an application now, basically the only option you have is like to put, like for PS4 uh, as an example... The only option you have is just to put your console into rest mode and come back to it later. You don't, it's not like you can hop to another application. Yeah. Even if it's only just one other application, you can't even do that. So this multitasking, you know, like you said, if you're achievement hunting and you want to hop over to YouTube real quick, watch a little video, have, you know, it'd be great if you could have a picture in picture situation, though that's probably not possible, but nonetheless being able to hop back and forth almost like, uh you know jumping between applications on a phone on a smartphone that would be
1: great
0: yeah or if you're yeah, in the that's... mood to play sorry do am go ahead
1: no yeah that's pretty cool because i want to say like i could be wrong but i think on ps4 you know you you hit pause i don't even think you can then open like the ps and store yeah i think like you have like to close the game first
2: you couldn't even do like a game and youtube
1: much less two games right you can hit like some of the other like settings and most of the other stuff in there but yeah you can't like have two different things open simultaneously but this is like i'm this is really cool and i'm excited to hear it because this boy must just be packed with ram to be able to do this right yeah if it's really holding it or maybe they're doing it a different way like it's more like a save state i don't know but it's really fascinating that's yeah so is this
2: going to fall in line with what we saw on uh ps4's most recent wired article where they're talking about Oh, yeah. Instead of, like, jumping into a game, going to the main title screen, loading up your save, and then starting, you can just, like, jump straight into your save. That makes sense. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I don't know if it's it's one-to-one necessarily, but that'll be interesting, too, of what if the PS5 has that feature, but it doesn't necessarily have... I guess it would technically be multiple games in suspension, because then how would you get to it quickly? Yeah, it's just... I want to see PS5 reveal a lot of stuff so we can compare and contrast and see how they're handling these different things but for me this is huge this is one of the the coolest features i think for the next console because sometimes you feel like playing different genres of games too and you want to hop back and forth between them right like oh i want to play an rts but then i want to go to an fps and just not having to worry about loading screens and everything man oh it's going to cut out Mm -hmm. on top of the fact that we already know that loading times in general are going to be cut down right so that's awesome um, that's pretty much it for the features section now we're going to get to the compatibility for the mm-hmm. next gen console uh, first up this is something we already knew but once again confirmation Xbox Game Pass will still release first party exclusives at launch into the service Phil just wanted to make sure people knew that was still going to be happening um, so obviously day one Halo Infinite is going to be available for you if you have Game Pass and you purchase, well you don't even have to purchase an Xbox Series X it will be available on current gen consoles uh, Here, real quick could you remind
2: yeah. me, how, how did we receive this information?
0: Uh, Phil Spencer posted it on Xbox uh, via a blog post himself.
2: Gotcha. Yeah. So not too dissimilar from what Sony has done with Wired.
0: Yeah, the thing I will say, though, is I do think it feels a little bit more personal because it was on their site by the person. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, it's clearly him being like, "All right,
2: Hey guys, I want to get this like nerdy shit out of the way. I know you're interested in it. Here it is. And then they'll talk about the flashy shit on stage sometime.
0: The timing is interesting, too, because think about this. PAX is happening this weekend, the week we're recording this. And PlayStation was supposed to be there initially with Last of Us 2, right? Obviously, they pulled out. And this happened on Monday. So it's interesting, if this was the plan all, all along, and they were planning to get this news out ahead to kind of, you know, get in front of the Last of Us 2, you know, consumer impressions... Or, if once they saw PlayStation pulled out, they're maybe planning on doing this a little bit later, but they're like, okay, we have an open window now. We have this week to ourselves. The timing on that is is real interesting considering, you know, PAX East was this weekend. So, um, that's all the features. Let's talk about compatibility outside of the Xbox Game Pass stuff. The other one is not only will your entire library of games from Xbox, Xbox 360, and Xbox One be available day one, which is something we all assumed, but it's going to be confirmed. They'll benefit from faster load times, steadier frame rates, and improved resolution and visual fidelity. No developer work needed. So this is something that uh, games benefited from in the Xbox One X, right? And it seems like they're extending that to their next-gen console. Um, they already have this back-end system that does this automatically, so it's going to be interesting to see how much more these games are improved. Um, yeah. Once again, though, it's really dope that the, your entire library will be available day one because that's added value at launch um, the crazy thing is if you're already a Game Pass subscriber all you really have to do is buy the console and you'll have access to Halo Infinite, whatever other first party games are coming out at launch and then your entire library you currently own you know what I mean? And that's without knowing anything else in terms of launch title so that's pretty cool. The thing is
2: regardless of whether we have more generations of uh, home video game consoles or not, it's clear that we're never going to be walking into a generation again where we have to worry about being bored on our new console not having enough games. Yeah. Because you're always going to have your save file that you were just working on on PS4 now that you're on PS5.
0: Yeah. It's, it's great. It's awesome to be able to have access to that stuff because you don't want to feel like you... Wasted money on all of these games you're never going to get to, you still have access to them, right? Uh, whether it's well, a burden could, or... I, I'm
2: sure we've all had that thing where we get a new console and there's a few only a few games out for it, or you only have a few games, and you play it a little bit and you have a great time or whatever, however long you play, and then you're like, all right, well, I'm going to go back to my PS3 now because there's not enough out yet for PS4, and I was already really enjoying whatever on PS3, so that's not going to be a problem anymore.
0: Yeah, and you don't have to worry about unplugging your current-gen console and putting it in a box because you have access to all of those games and stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, and for Xboxes... I makes me wonder cause... what
2: to do with my PS4 Pro, though. I'll, I'll say that. I'm like, do I need this thing? Is it... I mean, it's a digital console at this point, so it's not like having a PS1 or an N64 laying around, you know. Yeah.
0: And uh, for PS5, you can you insert... Uh, have they said you can insert a PS4 disc into it?
1: No. I don't know they if they've said been that it, explicit. Yeah, they weren't explicit, but they did say it's backwards compatible, so I think it's safe to assume. Yeah. I, you know, I, I can't imagine you wouldn't be able to. They did say it has a yeah. Blu-ray drive, so it's yeah, like... Yeah,
2: they're, they're already on Blu-ray. <laughs> I can't.
1: I really honestly cannot
2: imagine a reason why they would have PS4 compatibility, backwards compatibility, but only digitally. That doesn't make sense.
1: If, yeah. it, if it were the case, it would be... Arbitrary, right? Where they were yeah. intentionally locking that out so that people couldn't, you know, buy used games or whatever. And hopefully, yeah. that's not what they do.
0: Yeah, don't hold your breath on being able to insert a PS One, Two, or Three disc, though. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. Definitely. The thing is, that. people
1: talk about
2: that, and it's like those are CDs and DVDs that you just mentioned, or a PS Three disc is a Blu-ray. Like Sony, the the newest, you know, Sony hardware can clearly handle a compact disc. Or a digital video disc yeah. from 2002. It's like, if they can't read that shit, I don't know how because Microsoft can. Yep. Microsoft Xbox One can can read a DVD from and 360 was on DVD as well. So it's like, why not?
1: There's weird things, man. That like even digitally, you can't play. Like, why can't you buy PS1 and PS2 games on a yeah. PS4? Oh, man, I mean, they really got it. <laughs> I
2: man. Biggest hope for PlayStation with this next generation is quit making excuses because it's ridiculous that, yeah, you can't play some obscure PS1 game on your PS4 that you still have to pay, you know, $100 on on eBay and then buy a PS1 to play it just because they just make excuses for this stupid shit, you know, changing your names, the list goes on, whatever. Man, That's right. the thing that sucks is excuses. PlayStation's
0: biggest leverage against Xbox is legacy, right? That's a Nintendo's big yeah. leverage on both them too, and right. they're not even taking advantage of it. It's like you're, right. you know, yeah. They yeah. only well, stand
1: to make more money doing
2: it, so it's like yeah. As do you as Jim out, Ryan guys? has said, nobody wants to play those old PS Two games. I mean, why old games you, are old. You
0: know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next up, all your Xbox One X. Uh, not Xbox one X, all your Xbox one accessories will work on the Xbox series X, which is huge, especially for people who recently purchased a new elite two controller. I'm thinking I'm on the cusp of possibly trying to buy one before the next gen console, since I know it's going to work with it because God, that controller is so beautiful. Um, I've held one and used one. I just, it's a big investment. Um, Next up, this is something that got quite a bit of traction when they talked about this smart delivery so smart delivery is an initiative where you can buy any xbox published game once and get access to the best version of the game on whatever console you're playing on this means you'll only ever have to buy the game once and it'll work on any of the xbox family of consoles Uh, so basically if you buy halo infinite on xbox one if you decide to upgrade and get an xbox series x You'll have access to the the best version of that game on the Xbox Series X. 4K, 60 FPS, HDR. Exactly. You don't have to buy that game again. Um, Well, and also,
2: I think this might retroactively fix another problem we've discussed, which is having, like, Jared, you have a PS4 Slim, right? Yes. And as far as we can tell, when you download a game, you're downloading the 4K uh, PS4 Pro version, you just play it at 1080 or whatever you know and as far as we understand that's the way it is on xbox as well because they don't have this smart delivery which that aspect that i just mentioned i think should have been standard from the get-go It's it's ridiculous that you're you know clogging up your console with 4k textures that you're not going to use or whatever it may be so hopefully that'll retroactively fix that as well
0: The thing I love about this the most is like the smart delivery is something I would, I was expecting from Xbox because they've been so consumer friendly. The next part, the big dick swing is what I'm happy about in which they stated (laughs) it'll be an opt in feature for third party publishers and developers. So they basically laid down the gauntlet Mm. and said, Hey, all those other people are putting games on the platform. They don't have to charge you either, but it's up to them. Um, And speaking of which to this Immediately, because you have to remember, Cyberpunk 2077 is partnered with Microsoft in terms of marketing. Uh, CD Projekt Red quoted the Xbox's link to Phil Spencer's blog post, and they stated, Gamers should never be forced to purchase the same game twice or pay for upgrades. Owners of Cyberpunk 2077 for Xbox One will receive the Xbox Series X upgrade for free when available. That's awesome. This is huge for me because I was actually debating whether or not to wait... We had this discussion, I think maybe it was all three of us, or me and you, Dom, of do we, do we wait? Do you play it right away? Now it's a no-brainer for me. I can pick up Cyberpunk 2077 at launch, play it on my Xbox One, and then the moment it becomes available on Series X, I can just download the the version of that, right? The upgrade, so it's really cool. Which yeah.
2: we should be able to do on PS4 to PS5 as well. However, I'm not certain that I'll be getting the PS5 4k 60 hdr version i might still be playing my ps4 pro
1: version on my ps5 who knows yeah i would guarantee it because it's coming from cd project right so like they just said it that you shouldn't have to pay for upgrades and there is very specific for the
2: xbox platform and we don't know how playstations is going to work
0: yeah but i guess what dom's saying is they're so consumer friendly that out of any company they're probably the one who will do it for both no matter what right uh, yeah. even if it isn't like a set thing for PlayStation, they'll go out of their way to make sure you don't have to pay for it on PlayStation. They're a very unique case in all of this, because I think no matter yeah. what, they'll make sure you don't pay on either. Right. No matter the initiatives, that's yeah. just how they are.
2: And I think PlayStation in one way or another is going to have to kind of explain their upgrade system from PS four to five, you know, if there is one.
0: Well, or for those who don't remember
2: playing your, your PS four pro version, on your PS5.
0: Yeah, for those who don't remember, uh, the leap in last gen a lot of times for third-party publishers like EA and Ubisoft, you're paying like 10, 10 to 20 bucks for the upgrade versions, right? Mm-hmm. I remember Madden, you would pay $10 to upgrade to the next mm-hmm. gen version, so. Call of Duty. Exactly, yeah. But that I wasn't everybody. Some of them were at... just like sorry, go ahead. Jared.
2: I was just going to say it's making me wonder if we if we are going to end up with a price hike to uh, $70 instead of 60 because it's weird that Microsoft's so open about you're not going to have to pay for an upgrade when there's still a possibility that the game would technically be ten dollars more expensive. You know.
1: Yeah. Well, I think and, this says it will be sixty, right? Because I mean, it seems like that's what it would indicate.
2: Yeah. But maybe they're just that nice. I don't know. Because they're not going to sell a that, seventy dollars
1: Xbox One game.
0: No, no, no. But right. I think he's talking about in general, like the cost of next gen games going up to seventy. Not right, but I think Xbox, this Xbox,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah, I think this says they that they'll stay at sixty because you yeah. can't you wouldn't be able to sell a seventy dollar Xbox One game. You couldn't yeah. you know you wouldn't do that. But if you were doing sixty dollars on Xbox One and seventy on Xbox Series X, well then that, that goes against what you just said you were doing of yeah. free upgrades, right? So yeah. yeah.
0: Uh so the next uh company to say something, this wasn't directly related to smart delivery like Cyberpunk 2077 developer CD project Red was, but Square Enix came out and said, in regards to next gen consoles, uh, games it currently has in development will be available on current and next gen consoles. It followed up by stating that games developed and released exclusively for next gen will be, quote, somewhat farther down the road, unquote. This caught a lot of people by surprise because we've had the discussion specifically with Xbox of, okay, they announced that for the first couple of years, there's not going to be next gen exclusive games. And what does that mean for the attach rate for Xbox? What does that mean for its sales at launch? Like if there's not a direct reason to buy the console and you can stick with your current Xbox, why should you buy it? Right. And this is interesting because this is a third party publisher saying like, yeah, we're not planning on doing next gen exclusive games for quite a while either. So, it begs the question of, well, maybe this isn't just a platform decision by Xbox. Maybe because of the huge install bases on PS5 and Xbox One, maybe third-party publishers are like, yeah, what is the rush to do next-gen exclusive games when we just benefit from the
1: install bases? You know what I mean? Yeah. So It's one of those things. It's kind of mostly good, but I don't know. I feel like it might uh, prolong because normally every console generation has this right where at the beginning it's like the new console doesn't really games don't mostly take advantage of the new hardware for a little bit right um, and they're still making games for the old consoles yada yada this feels like it's gonna prolong that uh, yeah. that period quite a bit so you're gonna get a lot of texture and, and resolution frame rate upgrades but you're not gonna get like scope design decisions uh, based on the new hardware for longer speculation of course but that seems to be where it's going
2: this generation might be the one that is shackled by the previous one for the longest period of time right and yeah you might not get a game that feels or get games in general i should say uh that feel like the scope of next gen because they're trying to still fit them on an xbox one or ps4
1: and that that goes back to when we talked about it when they first said uh when microsoft first said like ah we're gonna keep games on both making games for both consoles for a while which i don't think is that weird but um it made me go back to like yeah that's more accessible and more friendly allows more people to play games but you know for the bleeding edge people who buy stuff right away and want the latest and greatest it it, you are going to end up like feeling like a pc gamer who's always uh, irritable because the consoles are holding back how good games could be right but that's just the way it is though you got to go where the the money is and where the user base is
2: Usually, people who are making PC exclusives don't have the budget to make a crisis to where it's like, "Oh, this is pushing forward," and we're not even worried about
1: consoles, right? Because there's so few PCs out there that can do that. It's worth. Also, the joke here is
0: is that the way Square Enix develops games, we probably don't, we won't really see the ramifications (laughs) because by the time they do release their next (laughs) game, it won't be for at least another two years. I didn't. It is
2: weird how like we're still kind of playing games right now that feel old because they started being developed so long ago you know (laughs) we've had recent examples of that I think within the last year Kingdom Hearts 3 is a great example where it does not feel like a 2019 uh, built game you know
0: Crackdown 3 like there's there's yeah exactly we're still doing that and
2: so you know 2025 we could be playing a game that's like meant for now if that makes sense
0: (laughs) yeah Uh, Phil Spencer ended his blog post uh, by saying we can't wait to share more details about the new Xbox with you in the coming months. So probably E3. Some people are like, well, coming months maybe like they're doing an event beforehand. We don't know, but you can read into that as much or as little as you'd like. Uh, Lastly, something I wanted to mention. Remember at the beginning of this when I said that twice the teraflops doesn't mean twice the power. It actually means more than that to keep that in mind. So... One interesting interesting note to all of this is that Windows Central posted a supposed leak last year that in retrospect was on the money exactly in terms of the specs for the Xbox Series X. So basically, Mm. you know, lends validity to that entire post because they nailed everything, right? The entire Um,
2: website has validity now.
0: Yeah. They also stated that Lockhart, the rumored cheaper SKU, which still hasn't been revealed... Uh, would be the cheapest entry point into next-gen and sport around four teraflops of GPU power. Um, So Mm. there's that. Obviously, there's speculation, is it focused on digital? Is it focused on streaming? Is it focused on Game Pass? Yada, yada, yada. But it gives us an indication of its relative power to the Xbox Series X. And if this is to be believed, the PS5. So in that same post, it was stated that the PS5 would have a 9.2 teraflop GPU. Which is three less than the uh, you know Series X, but remember that you the PS4 three
1: flops Sony.
0: Remember that the PS4 Pro was four point two, so it's more than twice. But yeah. remember, twice doesn't equal twice the power, so it's even more than twice. Uh, yeah. Four point two to nine point two. Um, Though this number could have changed in the time since that, you know, Sony could have made tweaks and folks are making it more powerful. The current rumors are around 10 teraflops, so still weaker than the Series X, but more than nine. It does create a conversation about what the gap in power and price may be for the two next-gen systems. A new story we didn't cover this week was that the PS5 will assumedly cost $450 $450 to manufacture at base without including a lot of the other stuff that goes into manufacturing a piece of hardware. So people assume at the very least it has to be $470 to earn a profit. So that leads to people assuming that it'll probably be $500, right? Which is reasonable. We can all assume like $500 for the PS5 isn't surprising. We would like it to be 400 but we're not shocked that it would be $500. If it is 9.2 or 10 teraflops and the Xbox is 12, that leads to the question of, well, is the Xbox Series X a $600 console with the Lockhart being a way cheaper version to get in, right? So it'll have the top end and the bottom end of the market, or is Xbox willing to eat money with their war chest, come in at 500 equally, and destroy in terms of power, right? Uh, equally at the same value.
2: Yeah. I do think that it's going to be interesting if this generation, the tables are turned, whereas... PS4 started off more powerful than the OG Xbox One, so um, that could be a big you know, differentiating factor for what ends up, quote-unquote, winning the generation. You know,
0: The worst part is, yeah. not only was the PS4 more powerful, it was cheaper because of the Kinect. The Kinect being packaged in yeah. made the Xbox $100 more expensive, so it was a weaker yeah. console, and it was more expensive. You know, Man, yeah. Can you imagine,
1: though, it obviously wouldn't be so literal... But, you know, the, the commercial is like, Xbox Series X, three more flops than the competition for the same price. <laughs> Obviously, that's not three three what more the commercial is going to say. Their official tagline right now is
0: <laughs> hashtag power your dreams is their official marketing term.
2: Power your dreams. Now, I will say, Teraflops does kind of sound like a 90s uh, video game marketing <laughs> term. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can totally <laughs> see that happening in like a 90s ad campaign where it's like, we got three more flops than the other
0: guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah it's a lot of interesting stuff I will say to Jordan's point it is very similar to the Wired article but for me personally I liked it more because it was coming directly from Xbox and directly from the head of Xbox if the Wired articles were instead posted on Sony's blog by Jim Ryan I still wouldn't have been as favorable about him but I think I would have ingested them a little bit better than it being on Wired of all places on top yeah. of the fact this is all. This blog post is coming after we've seen actually seen the console and multiple games for it on stage at the Game Awards, right? Whereas with PlayStation, we got two Wired articles, and then that's pretty much it and a logo, we, the PlayStation Five logo, right? Yeah. So I think if I think, like, sorry, go ahead.
2: Oh, I was just gonna say, I think you know the Wired article is is a story that they were telling, you yeah, know, like a, a cover story for Wired and. Um, this is much more direct and to the point of, here's what you're getting, you know, bullet points is almost what this sounds like.
0: Exactly, yeah. Um, I, I just don't want it to seem like we're biased towards Xbox because these this is similar to the Wired article, but like you said, there's differences there that make it communicate to the consumer a lot differently. And the timing of, when, you know, we already know what the Series X looks like, we've already seen... Halo and Hellblade for the console. And um, what's Rare's next game? Ever Space, Evermore, Ever Wild. Ever Wild, I think? You guys remember that? It was like the uh, frilly, alien-like uh, teaser they showed, I believe, at uh, XO19. I do but
2: not remember a title.
0: That's it for the news in terms of what we've been playing. I don't have a whole lot to talk about. Uh, there are some indie games I've played over the last two weeks. I'll mention them real quick i played in i replayed and completed brothers tale of two sons that's the indie game from joseph ferris his first game uh i replayed the i played so i played on xbox 360 beat it got all the achievements uh it's on xbox game pass for xbox one so i downloaded it played through it again i love that game uh listeners out there if you haven't played it it's really cool the whole mechanic of it is there's two brothers you control each of them with a joystick and you navigate them through this world and there's puzzles and really fantastical story elements. It's a really emotional game too; uh, hit you in your core. If you're not, uh, too careful, it's the, the conclusion of the game is super sad. Um, yeah. next up death squared. If you're a fan of kind of funny, they were sponsored, I think, to play this game a while back. It's a puzzle game where you control one to four little cube robot guys. Um, it's an okay game. I just basically played it because I wanted to get some achievement score, if I'm being honest. But uh, it's not too bad. Like, Welcome to Game Pass. Exactly. It's not something I'd necessarily recommend to everybody, but if you are trying to rack up some you know, gamer score or looking for a fun little puzzle game that isn't too serious, it's a fun time. And the last one... I've just one... been
2: thinking about uh, Game Pass players who are achievement hunters. It's like, wow. Talk about a fucking gold mine, dude.
0: Oh, there's a whole, like... You know, there's video categories of the easiest gamer score in Game Pass right now, and like get right. play these games before they exit Game Pass. That's a whole thing, man. <laughs> oh yeah, a whole new world. Um, I'm not that hardcore anymore, but uh, you know, I get the itch from time to time. Lastly, I played The Gardens Between, which is a really beautiful, uh, time-based puzzle game. You guys probably it's. It was showcased at, like, E3s and presentations for a number of years before it finally came out. It's one that takes place on, like, a circular plane, so you walk around these islands. And as you walk forward yeah, and backward, yeah. time is manipulated. Um Really beautiful art style. Puzzles aren't too complicated. Uh, some neat Easter eggs. Music is incredible. Like, absolutely incredible. Very seldom do I finish a game and automatically go to Spotify and look up the soundtrack for this nice. game I did. It's definitely... Like, life is strange soundtrack vibes, except a little less hipster and a little more instrumental. Um, But yeah, fantastic. Uh, You know,
2: Jared, and this isn't just for games, it could be for, you know, movies, comics, whatever, but just because something isn't like all around amazing, an all around amazing movie or an all around amazing game, it could still have an incredible soundtrack or beautiful cinematography or this really cool character or even just a really cool moment. And so when, you know, especially now where we're at with culture, I think it's, it's such a part of entertainment to just label it as like trash or garbage. People use those word a lot, words a lot where they're like, oh yeah, it's just, just totally dismiss it, you know? And I think that everything in entertainment was worked hard. Somebody worked really hard on it in some fashion or another. And I think that in a lot of ways there's something cool or something good or something that you can find interest in in just about everything. So there's value there, you know.
0: Well, funny you said that. One of my biggest pet peeves on this planet is when people say something is trash because they just don't like it. So they're not trying to yeah. be like make... Uh, Obviously, it's a subjective statement, but they're not trying to be objective in their reasoning of saying like, no, this person doesn't have talent or this just isn't good. It's just, oh, I don't like that thing, therefore it's trash. Like That's one of my biggest pet peeves is even when I don't like something, I can tell when something is good, it's just not for me, right? So I'll give you an example real quick.
2: Yeah, it's what you're saying. It's like the utter dismissal of something that, like I said, somebody clearly worked hard on, you know?
0: Yeah. So this happens a lot in music, right? So for instance i like Billie eilish's music right personally sure. i really like Billie eilish's music i You're have friends i have friends huh. who don't like her music and they and they're like oh i hate the whisper singing totally cool that's a fine statement you can be like i don't like that type of singing totally get it but there's people who will be like oh they're trash they're not talented and to me i'm like how can you listen to at least a minute of her music and not tell that she's vocally talented like or at least creative you know? Exactly. Like, just to be completely dismissive, it's like, oh, that person's trash of anything. I'm like, I I just don't get that. And to me, honestly, most of yeah, the minding. time, I find that the people who don't create things in their spare time are the ones that are so quick to judge because I do think they lose out on the connection of how hard it is to create things so they don't understand oh, yeah. the work that goes into it. So there's not, you know what I mean? Um, just in
2: general, I think people don't appreciate the uh, enormous energy it takes to build something that is creative. You know, to um, create something. Think about that. Being creative is is whipping things up from scratch that did not exist before and you are bringing them into existence. That is not as easy as people will, you know, dismissively
1: say, basically. Man, so apparently, this is going to get weird real quick, but apparently (laughs) there are YouTube channels that are entirely uh Not ASMR, but similar, uh, but it's actually people farting in different acoustic settings. (laughs) What the fuck? That's funny. uh, That did get weird. Yeah. And it's just like, just to get different sounds out of it, and people like to listen to that. That is... Some amount.
2: That is like the fucked up edge of ASMR.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's like... Right. Yeah. So like, after learning about that, it kind of like, it kind of brings you into that perspective of like, man... There is very little in the world that's, in terms of art, that's purely objective in what's good or bad, right? Because yeah. some people listen to farts and they like it. So, <laughs> So like, when you say, like, that movie was ass, right? Yeah. yeah do yuck other what's people. It, what's young. it called?
2: You know? Can I get it on Netflix?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so that that's our conversation. That it's, it's just frustrating when people are so dismissive, and it's like I get not liking something, but to say try to say objectively something is bad because you don't like it is like just an unformed perspective. Anyway, I usually
1: say like I don't get it. I, I didn't get that. I don't know. I don't yeah, know what's going on? Like, yeah.
0: my my go-to is like it's just not for me because that's usually what it is. Yeah. it's like it's not for me. I'll say if something's if I think something's bad, but that's very rare. You know, um, yeah. like Antonio Brown's rapping, awful. If you go and listen, he's <laughs> recently tried to release music. It is objectively awful. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Anyways, uh, so I played pretty much three puzzle games uh, the last couple of weeks. Uh, I've been meaning to dive into some other stuff. I recently downloaded Yakuza Zero, which just hit Game Pass. Yakuza! Uh, been wanting to check out that series. I don't. Th- going back to our conversation we just had, I don't know if it's going to be for me. But I've heard the Easy Allies guys praise it so much that I'm willing to give it a shot. Um, yeah. And Two Point Hospital recently came out, which is like a, you know, a city building game, but you're building up a hospital. So that looks fun. Yeah. So I'm going to check out that, too. And, man, if we had Quick Resume for multiple titles, I could just hop back and forth between the Dude. two. But can't Were do that you
2: yet. Series X?
0: Yep. Uh, that's pretty much it for me. Nothing notable in terms of TV and movies. I, I started watching The Outsider on Amazon, which I like quite a bit um Mm. it's gotten not as interesting as it's gone along i think uh it was better uh during the first two to three episodes and the longer it's been going
2: so people don't get confused this is an hbo show
0: hbo sorry yes i'm watching it on amazon through the hbo portal yes yes and Uh,
2: this sunday we will be they will be airing the penultimate episode yeah at which point i will be starting the series.
0: Hell yeah. Interested to see what you think. Uh, at least we'll get your opinions. Obviously, we'll be talking and stuff outside of the podcast after the fact once sure, you leave. Sure. But it'll be nice to hear your it's thoughts. It's Stephen King, week.
2: so I'm going to be interested in it. You, know. yep. you guys can rest rest assured.
0: <laughs> uh, that's pretty much it for me. Uh, Dom, outside of the fart ASMR, what else have you been doing?
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, I, actually, I, I booted up an old game that the last couple times I talked about it, um, I kind of give it a lot of shit. But... It's a great game that I did really enjoy, but compared to its uh, Sonic rest Boom? of its series, it's not as usually looked as highly upon. No, Fallout 4. Because, um, I don't know, I just felt like playing Fallout 4, so I been <laughs> spending some time there. I want to go back and actually get the Platinum, because I never did. Whoa. So I figured, I'm going to do that. Were you filming film that, that Bethesda that itch? I've been filming that recently. And make
2: all the people smiley
1: faces and all that? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, I just it's Fallout 4 and it's it's a nice game. You got, got but I'm dog. saying for
2: the platinum you got to like build up your town and make fucking everybody oh. happy in the town and it's like Yeah. I've heard that's it's TV right. as platinum.
1: I think uh because you have to get uh, multiple uh shoot, playthroughs, but because it's a Bethesda uh, game and they let you save multiple at saves, different points yeah. it's not so bad. Mm. But you're right, that particular trophy of like making a settlement 100% happy is supposed to be kind of annoying to get. Um, yeah. but yeah that'll be alright I'll figure it out by now there's got to be an optimized way to do it the game's like a half a decade old so Here, they
2: might have, I want to say something real quick um, gone into the back end of how people get happy or
0: whatever you know. Uh, to your point I've been getting that Bethesda itch recently right but oh. here's my hope the day the Series X launches I want to see some digital foundry videos for the upgrades we talked about on this podcast because if they're su- substantial enough for Fallout New Vegas I might go back and replay that bad boy Oh, that might yeah. be my, the Bethesda game to go back to for me. Um, it's one of those weird things so I'm also in, like, an Assassin's Creed mood. But I'm like, do I just wait for the Viking game that's going to be coming out this fall? You know what yeah. I mean? Hold on to that. Yeah. So, sorry, Don could
2: I would say, you know, before you, like, place your bets on what you're going to be doing this fall video game-wise, I would wait till E3 because we're going to get a lot of questions answered, even if Sony's not there, you know.
0: Exactly. I was just thinking of like, do I play an Assassin's Creed game now? Right. right. And scratch that itch, but I think scratch I'll wait. It. Ah, I don't know. You uh-huh. have that
2: Games Pass, you know, if they if they're on there, you could do that. Man, I
0: own the Ezio collection, so I've just been meaning to like dive back in. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Dom. <laughs>
1: Bit of a tangent. Uh, the only one other thing, um, but it's worth noting, is played a lot of Death Stranding. Ooh.
0: oh yeah we had oh, that boy-o. discussion
1: <laughs> yeah it's an interesting one I, it's really addictive and um i'll just I, i've talked i've I mentioned that like the first weapons you get in the game are grenades made out of your own shit piss and shower water <laughs> but while it's happening you're like yeah of course but then when you think about it you're like wait a minute when you go to throw it at an enemy you're like wait a minute you? oh wait that's okay i, I don't know it, you <laughs> just think about it but um there it's really weird it's i i really at least appreciate that um this is an entirely new kind of gameplay um or you know like an emphasis a greater emphasis is placed on specific parts of uh, the gameplay that they're using here as opposed to combat right because this is just very it's just not a game with combat and it really i I really appreciate that it makes me question like why is this weird like does every game need to have combat or you know what i mean Um, now, how are you enjoying the presentation of the story, Dom? At first, it's it's a bit annoying that everything has to be explained. Like, you can't just it's it's not rain that degrades things, uh, like that it makes you basically the rain makes you age faster, something, right. so to speak, and it breaks down your your gear and your cargo. But it's called timefall. Why can't we just why, why can't we call it some like an adjective and then rain? Instead, you have to explain the phrase "timefall" to me, and and that's one example. Everything in the game has to be explained because it's weird new terms that a lot of times aren't needed. Expositive. And over convoluted, kind of. Yeah, and it makes sense, I guess, but it's like it's a lot, and I guess that's Kojima in the way he writes things. I don't know. So that's like okay. Uh, oh, it's called a void out. Why can't we just call it an explosion? Like, I, <laughs> there's things like that. It's like you just explained the. the the definition of an explosion why did you give this a new name <laughs> you know overall
0: do you like this game more than you thought you were do you like
1: it less than oh, you thought yeah. you were no it's it is, it is fantastic um the much like the the shit and piss grenades um <laughs> the last time i played i got to a point complete a mission oh you get an upgrade a new way uh you can play well, normally in, in most games, that's like, oh, a new you know a new stealth capability or a new takedown ability or whatever. But it's Death Stranding and you're carrying stuff. So uh, an upgrade in Death Stranding is a new way to carry stuff. So the upgrade is you get these sleds that attach to you via string and they hover or whatever so you can carry more stuff on your sleds than you could just carry on your back. And as it happened, I was like, oh, yes, like this is fantastic. And now I can carry more shit in my sleds. Mm-hmm. And then when I shut the game off a few minutes after that, I just kept thinking about it i got really excited and i was really happy that i got an upgrade to carry more boxes to the next place and i was like i feel a little dumb that that's what it was but but it was really enjoyable it's it's a weird thing i don't know you know
0: what's funny dom floats your sled you know what i'm saying (laughs) to that to that point i know that I, the hardest sell for me to try to get somebody to play Animal Crossing is Dom because multiple times he's looked at the game and said, like, I don't get it, right? Like, I just I don't understand why people would be interested in this. Yeah. I think Dom's hardest sell for me would be Death Stranding because to me it's the same thing mm-hmm. of, like, I just I have no interest in ever playing that type of game. I don't know how people enjoy it. It just doesn't look enjoyable to me. It's just funny yeah. to see, like, the polar ends of that of, like, I'd want Dom to play that this game, you know, Animal Crossing, but he's never just gonna want to. He's never gonna be interested, even h- how hard of a sell I try to give him. It just the yeah. same well, way I'm for just, Death Stranding.
1: I gotta I'm see just more inter- of it.
2: Interested in the Kojima story mostly, like Kojima story. As crazy as it might be, usually I enjoy them, and so hopefully, I th- my hope is that the gameplay
1: won't annoy me, you know, and I, I can <laughs> yeah. have some enjoyment there as well. Yeah, the story's pretty good if you like um you know if you're into post-apocalyptic stuff um sci-fi stuff yeah uh, if you you know what i mean like it's it's really cool it's it's not that crazy it's not you know it's nothing uh it's creative uh it's just yeah some of the dialogue especially really early on when it's explaining everything to you was like okay okay it's it's a lot Um, (laughs) yeah but the story itself as it's gotten on i'm like really interested in uh, the characters are really cool and stuff but I gotta see. I do want to like. I need to see more of Animal Crossing to get on this tangent, um, because I think that could be cool. It's it's like a visual thing. We can talk about it later, but yeah, I I don't know. I want to see visual. more of it. I gotta give it a fair shake. I don't. I I've just been pushed like, shoving it aside and not really looking at it ever. I'm like, get, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. I mean, I just can't wait for March 20th because what's gonna happen is I'm dropping 120 bucks to buy Animal Crossing and Doom. I'm gonna load up Animal Crossing, get everything set up you know, play a couple of hours, get into the groove, hop into Doom, just go full full in, and then I have Animal Crossing to check in on periodically throughout the rest of my life. Throughout <laughs> the rest, of, the you rest of your life. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I I am interested in Death Stranding, though. It is one of those games that I could see myself picking up for 20 bucks. My biggest gripe with it is the gameplay to me, and then I have such a hard time with Kojima's naming conventions in terms of characters, like yeah. Die Hard Man and all that stuff. It's just like cringe to me i don't know I, you know die know. hard
1: man dude yeah. <laughs> yeah it's weird i don't i don't get it because mama or whatever they the, all, other lady's name is. like when they introduce themselves they like they acknowledge the corniness of their names and they like explain why but yeah. it's still like but why that From makes like it even worse
0: i'd rather it be like a mystery or you don't have to explain it to me explaining it to me makes it even worse it's like ugh.
2: i think there are examples of kojima doing like cool names, though, you know, like Oh Psycho yeah, Mantis or Solid Snake is a very cool name. Um, but then, yeah, he, he definitely does some goofy shit as well, and, and obviously he's known for kind of being up his own ass a little bit sometimes, so I think that might be part of what this is. I think Death Stranding has a lot of that from what I can tell about the game, so.
0: I also have zero attachment to Metal Gear, right, as a franchise, True. or yeah. Kojima, so there's that, too. I don't have the connection, but... Enough about me. Anyways, Dom, uh, is that everything you want to say about Death Stranding? Anything else?
1: Yeah, I mean, and it, Norman Reedus is in the game, and you get to hear a lot of his grunting.
0: You going to watch The Ride?
1: <laughs> yeah, Ride with Norman Reedus on AMC. Yeah. No, God. definitely not. No, <laughs> not uh,
0: Jardas, hit us with uh, what you've been doing. What I've been doing
2: is, uh, surprise, surprise, been reading a lot of comic books. And I finally finished Injustice Year Five. Hell yeah! It's uh, so been a long completes the project run for you. For the original Injustice, for me. And uh, I'll be moving on. I also so I read uh, Injustice Year One through Five, and uh, that leads up to the first game. Then uh, watched the first game's cutscenes since I've already played through it before. Um, and now I'll be jumping into Injustice Two, which will then lead me into playing Injustice Two. Uh, I'll I'll be reading Injustice Two, the comic, sorry, and then leading into playing the game. Um, so I'm really excited to see Tom Taylor back for the Injustice Two comic because I will say I liked volumes four and five or years four and five I should say of Injustice One, but. Uh, he, for me, he was definitely sorely missed after he left the book, um, following year three. So, um, excited to see him back on the book. Uh, but nonetheless, it was still a solid ending and and solid lead into the game. I had forgotten that the whole first game of Injustice centers around, like, basically two versions of the Justice League, uh... You know kind of coming into contact with each other and um so i was kind of wondering like how are they going to tie this get this all corralled in and tie it into this game but then i remembered oh there's a whole other version of the justice league so if like somebody died you know there it's just this earth's version of the justice league and they're going to have a second set i guess you could say in the in the game's story so nonetheless it's still um the injustice one story I think is actually pretty damn solid and certainly has some really cool moments and solid writing dialogue moments, I would say. Um, so yeah, shout out to injustice one. Not that I played it recently, but, uh, I have played it and I did enjoy it. It's one of the few fighting games that I've, uh, spent some time with and enjoyed. So, uh, I'll be playing injustice two soon enough. Um, so, but just in general, I want to say big shout out to Injustice Comics. I think that they are an essential read and um, one of the best video game to comic book adaptations. We get, you know, some things vice versa every now and then, but uh, usually, like, vi- uh, video game tie-in comic books are not great, so um, this was really interesting, really well done, <clears throat> and of course... Uh, made me fall in love with the writing of Tom Taylor, who I've now enjoyed on Deceased. And uh, just read issue number three of Suicide Squad last night, and that is really heating up. So shout out to Tom Taylor. Um, Also recently finished his run on Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man, which was recommended to me by Jared. So shout out there. Um, I am. And then moving on from there, I want to give a huge shout out to Monstrous been reading Monstrous, which is just a really cool comic by Marjorie Liu, and uh, it is a fantasy comic with a very dark edge, and has totally its own style. Um, It's got European, Asian, all kinds of influences mixed in there, and is something very special, so I want to give a huge shout out to that book. Um, What else? I've been reading all kinds of stuff. Started uh, Batman White Knight, which is kind of a, uh, an Elseworlds flip-flop where uh, Joker starts becoming the hero and Batman starts going down a darker, more villainous path, mm-hmm. I guess you could say. Um, so, two issues into that. That's uh, been pretty cool so far. Um, there was one other book. Oh! I read through uh I had I had read through Batman Long Halloween by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale, but then I read through uh the sequel Dark Victory and then the spin off uh, Catwoman Win in Rome. And I've just gotta give a huge shout out to all that stuff because um some of the best Batman work of all time. It is a huge influence, especially Long Halloween is a huge influence on the Christopher Nolan Dark Knight trilogy Um, and yeah I would say that just every Batman fan should read Batman Long Halloween it's a quick read it is fantastic the art is uh, maybe a bit of an acquired taste it's uh, you know maybe not the most mainstream style art but it is really cool if you can get into it Um, so big shout out to that Uh, you know, kind of comic series, I guess you'd say, a little franchise there. Um, And then something else that I just hopped into, Dom, you're going to like this one. It is time, my friend, because they won't tell me when this shit's going to end, so I just said fuck it, and I started episode one of Better Call Saul, because I'm about to go all the way back through Better Call Saul, then Breaking Bad, and then finally, for the first time, watch El Camino, and wow, I am excited for this ride because it's a special fucking franchise, man. People, there's revisionist history with Breaking Bad being the best show of all time. People are like, yeah, yeah, Breaking Bad's great, but I'm like, bullshit. We all know who the fucking king is unless maybe Better Call Saul finishes even stronger. I think it's it's probably... A little bit too slow of a show to be considered overall better than Breaking Bad. I feel like Breaking Bad is more gripping. But uh, nonetheless, these are top fucking tier shows. And boy, oh boy, am I excited for this ride, Jared. I know you just finished Breaking Bad as well, so you've got a little bit of uh, skin in the game as well.
1: Well, now, (laughs) uh, because season five is airing right now. Episode one is great, by the way. But six... I'm just going to wait.
2: Now that I'm going back, I'm going to just wait and go back through it once I finish yeah. four.
1: Because six is now uh, locked in, and it's going to be the last season. So,
2: so they no did line. say it's the final season. Officially, yeah. yeah. Yep. Thank goodness. Recent so news. So, really, I'm in, I am
1: sitting pretty then the way I'm, I'm doing this. It's good timing. Yeah. But it might not be, like, another year or two before six actually airs. True. They
2: do, take, they do like to take a gap every now and then with Better Call yeah. Saul. But nonetheless i have just wanted to know the what season was going to be the last for a while now because i think it's about time for the series to finish up you know you don't want it to go too much longer than breaking bad itself so it's like um and there's only so much time you know right you're gonna hover. hit the but yeah but yeah nonetheless it's good man it it's is good. yeah like i said it's, it's definitely a different show and it is slower than breaking bad if you can even believe that but um the, the, it's special TV man Vince Gilligan uh, Maybe not at every show that he does For the rest of all time But with this stuff he's done something very special And so I'd love to give a Gigantic shout out to Breaking Bad And it's extended universe um, Hopefully El Camino Turns out to my liking Later on down this road But nonetheless Awesome awesome stuff So, um, I think that's About it I want to give a shout-out to where X-Men Comics are at right now. Uh, X-Men Fantastic Four number two just came out yesterday. And um, I'm enjoying myself. I think that we are at the point now where I I feel like I can comfortably say um, the X-Men have been revived. You know, like, they've had had a really rough go of it these last few years, especially in the comics. And i i just feel so great and comfortable with where they're at now it's a really cool spot so shout out to that as well john shout out hickman to jonathan hickman Yeah, yeah jonathan hickman and all the the dawn of x creators and you know what jared i mentioned this uh recently but i want to i want to say this again when it comes to art in comics and just comic book creators in general but especially the artists whether it's pencilers the drawers the uh inkers the colorers whoever Shout the fuck out to South America, because I swear to God, man, I keep looking up these names of these artists that are just blowing my mind, and I'm like, fucking Brazil, fucking Argentina, just all over South America, they are killing the game, when especially comic book art, but just comic book creation in general, so shout out.
0: Shout out. Uh, That's been it for episode 179 of the Controlled Interest Gamecast. Thank you guys for listening. If you can, please follow us on iTunes. Leave us a review. It definitely helps out in the algorithm there, letting more people know our podcast exists. If you head over to YouTube, search Controlled Interest. We'll pop right up. Subscribe, hit the bell notification so you know when we upload new videos. Can't trust those YouTube sub boxes. Can't trust them. No way. On Twitter, you can follow us collectively at CTRLINT. That's Controlled Interest, abbreviated. Tweet out all the videos and all that stuff. Uh, personally you can follow me at jared underscore you can follow jordan at Melamotus and you can follow mm-hmm. dom at dom's oreos we'll catch you guys next week with jordan's finale as a main co-host for the podcast so it's make sure a to tune in.
2: it's a see you later not a goodbye
0: exactly uh catch you guys then